Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Good evening, everyone. This is uh, Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review, sitting here with uh, my buddy Johnny Atala from the Omaha World Herald. Welcome back from your extended stay out in the Midwest. You had some family out. Family in Indiana? Yeah. yeah. Decided to make a little... A little, little vacay on the way back from Creighton getting thumped, right? Sort of, yeah. I got out of Cincinnati as quickly as I could. I'm sure the Jays kind of did the same. They, I don't, some would say they didn't even go to Cincinnati. So. <laughs> Halfway yeah. there, sort of, yeah. yeah. They, were there in, they were there in physical presence. Um, <laughs> I won't, yeah. But they were was here. It, was it freezing out there? Was it as cold out there as it was here? Uh, yeah, yeah. It? No, it was, it, was, it was cold. Yeah, there was a, there was a chill in the air, definitely. Um, are we still talking about the Xavier here? What are we talking about? <laughs> Sorry. No, definitely. But yeah. hey, that's it's it's very interesting. It's the basketball just it makes you scratch your head sometimes um, because the team that showed up or didn't show up at Xavier on Saturday was nothing like the team that we saw here tonight. Yeah. And, um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, honestly. Uh, Obviously, the season's going to have some ebbs and flows, and they're going to have nights when you don't have it. But, I mean, there were just some unbelievably silly plays that Creighton made against Xavier that, I mean... I haven't that, watched the game yet, so yeah, I'm still behind. I mean, there, so, there were so yeah. many moments in that game where it was uncharacteristic, whether it was just boxing out a guy on defense or falling for a pump fake or throwing the ball away. They did that a lot. Um, you know, just a lot of mistakes that... And, and and you can add to the fact that it felt like Creighton was just a step slow and mm-hmm. just moving. Um, it didn't have that edge. That it wasn't in attack mode at Xavier. And then in three days, they have it all figured out and they're back to normal. I mean, that's the ebb and the flow of the basketball season. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, just for the sake of bringing you all back to where we're at reality-wise, cause it, uh, Creighton beat 19th ranked Seton Hall 80-63 to tonight. Um Pretty convincingly, I would say the score is about fair to what the game played out. I mean, Seton Hall obviously made a run, uh, got the game more to their style late in the first half. Creighton had some foul trouble, had to put pretty much everybody on the bench. They, I think they had a lineup with Caleb Joseph, Tyshawn Alexander, and Mitch Ballack out there on the floor at the same time, and it felt like doomsday scenario for the Blue Jays because I don't think that's a lineup they've tinkered with much in practice or in games. I honestly have not seen that lineup ever. I don't yeah. remember ever seeing it. And I mean, it, I think I'd have to go maybe to the preseason. Yeah, I or don't, maybe garbage time. I'm trying to think if it even I don't even garbage remember time. that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but uh, that was basically the only moment of struggle for Creighton. They got back on the horse in the second half and started swinging away again and put Seton Hall put Seton Hall away. Um, man, that Seton Hall team knows how to self-destruct, too. We'll get into that a little bit, but what are some of your main takeaways from um, not only Creighton's response coming back from Cincinnati, because you obviously saw that up close and personal, uh, but also Creighton's ability to put away a, what we think is the top half of the league team, certainly, um, in a convincing fashion. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to assess this game without uh, – to the some circum- degree, the circumstances. yeah, acknowledging yeah. what what was lacking from Seton Hall, and I I I I guess if you were coming from a Xavier perspective on Saturday and trying to assess what happened in that game, it was hard. It was probably difficult to come up with a full or to build a full perspective on 
the outcome without referencing that Creighton team was not the Creighton team that sure. it has shown. So that wasn't, it's kind of similar in that way. All things weren't even as you watched that play out, sure. Yeah. Right. But you give Creighton credit for, I mean, it's in, in this sort of, uh, this conference where you, you, uh, you, you're, you, you, you're just, you feel lucky almost to get a win. It's yeah, so yeah. difficult to to battle through and uh, and persevere and, and pick up that win. So when you're playing an opponent that isn't as engaged or maybe doesn't have the same level of urgency as you do, um, you can't you can't let them hang around. Number one, and you can't um, you don't want to let that game go to waste, especially given how talented Seton Hall is and and. You know what this win will look like in a, in a couple months, I think. Um, so, I think that to me, I give Creighton credit for just you know putting its foot all the way down on the gas pedal from mm. the start. And yeah, there was like you said a little bit of a lull right before the half. To, uh, before the half, but um, so they, they stomped just, on that yeah, gas pedal right away after the second and, and to start the second half, which I thought was impressive. If we could just talk about that, maybe the second half of the first half where Seton Hall started to get the game. You know, slowed down a little bit, um, started to grind Seton, started to grind Creighton down a little bit. Um, you know, like I'm watching that, and I know it probably felt like it was starting to unravel a little bit, similar to the way it did in South Orange in the first meeting type of deal. But I did. It didn't feel like Creighton was still. It, felt, it still felt like two things were happening. One, Creighton was a little bit uncomfortable, but I also felt like the foul trouble was significant to the point where four of Creighton's five starters had two fouls that's I think that's when we're talking about circumstances that's an unusual circumstance that I felt like was gonna correct itself in the second half at least for a portion enough of a portion of the game where you would once again see what has played out for the larger picture between these two teams so far this season um and then the other thing was I still feel like Seton Hall didn't have it I know you know like Willard Kevin Willard was was extending the defense he was making them play um you know 75 feet essentially to get them kind of going to make, you know, first of all, to slow Creighton down, but also put pressure on their ball handlers. But it felt like that was him forcing his team to play defense and play with energy. Otherwise, they would have just got smoked, you know, in transition the entire time if they didn't guard as well as they did defensively. So that felt like it was like a last-ditch effort to get the juices flowing for his team because I felt like a lot of guys were flat. I mean, Desi Rodriguez, which Desi Rodriguez, we could probably do a whole show on this, but he goes, he plays six minutes and he torched Creighton in South Orange, plays six minutes, doesn't see the floor in the second half. Uh, Willard just pulled the plug on him. He didn't think he had it. Matt, he literally played the first six minutes of the game yeah, and then sat the rest done. of the final 34. And Willard said it's because he felt like he didn't have it. He didn't, he didn't look like he wanted to be out there. He had the first two buckets That's for what I Hall. know. Yeah, but I mean. He, he got two, or I think he got one offensive board and then a putback and then had another, uh, another layup. I didn't. I didn't see anything odd. It's from him. this is, but this isn't the first time we've seen this from Seton Hall. Like a couple yeah. years ago, out there, like he Willard just weirdly benched Isaiah Whitehead and Angel Delgado when things got strange. When when things started to, when a double digit lead Creighton built, like and they he benched them for you know a significant right. portion. And of I don't. Game. I can't and remember like, what Carrington never seemed like he yeah. was engaged. Like he looked like he was playing half speed. Overall, defensively, especially early on. I yeah, mean, you yeah, noted. Yeah, yeah. Creighton was making shots, but. They were getting great looks. I mean, the three pointers. I feel like all were wide open, in rhythm jumpers. And um, Marcus, what did you see in the ball screens that you mentioned with the the way Seton Hall was fighting through those, or not I, fighting through those? Yeah, just not. I yeah. mean, it just seemed like 
Creighton's ball handlers were getting able to get downhill really easily. Mm-hmm. They were trying to switch screens, but it, it didn't. Um, they just didn't bring that same intensity, and, and it, it did actually resemble um, a little bit what happened in in New Jersey. It's just that Seton Hall, maybe energized by its crowd, I don't know what um, helped spark those guys to to fight a little bit more. But they had that in the second half okay. in New Jersey, and they didn't have it at all tonight. And you so. could clearly see that. It was yeah, you could tell that. Yeah. You could just tell that they they lacked that edge, um, that sort of toughness that they play with um, for really the entire game and, which is and weird took for a team that's as experienced as them so weird to 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 have an energy like a flat especially because you look at Seton Hall's schedule and Willard says he pulled Rodriguez for like long, long game purposes yeah. like he looked like he didn't have it tonight and wanted to rest him whatever um this was a big game like both of these two, I mean Seton Hall was four and one Creighton was four and two as as this matches up in the standings, this was a big game for Seton Hall. Yeah. And then they're, they're two games removed from getting pistol-whipped at Marquette. And guess who's next? Xavier. Yeah. Like, you can't just pull guys and, like, and just give away one. Yeah. And then, or, or, and then for the, from the player's it's, perspective, it's, how are you showing up flat to this type of thing? Yeah, you know? it's very odd. Like, what do you think this league is going to eat you alive if you're flat like well, that? Well, what's funny about it is, like, I kind of had a similar takeaway after Xavier when Creighton went up to Xavier okay. and, and didn't play well. Now, it's it's not exactly congruent here, okay, because... Uh, Pattern of behavior. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Creighton's, and Creighton certainly did not have to bench uh, guys because they looked out of it. Disinterested. Um, but... No, at halftime, the Jays, I thought that there were moments in that first half as poorly as Creighton had played when it could have snuck back into the game. Mm-hmm. And then there would be right then another the another mental another, another mental lapse or uh, a poor shot or a turnover or something. Um, they just, yeah, they couldn't flip the switch, which was, uh, that was odd to me. But after the game ended, obviously, I, when, you, when you commit five turnovers in the first five minutes on the road and kind of set that tone... I understand it's going to be hard to get a win against a Xavier team that's really desperate, but you just never want to give away anything. Mm-hmm. And when you come to uh, to the arena in in a big e- in a in a Big East game and you don't play your best, I think that stings more than playing your best. And then it just it just yeah, it doesn't work have, out like, in your favor. Next time and tell right, them because there's sure. going to be yeah. there's only going to be so many nights when when uh, there there for the most part, if you're a good team, you're not going to play poorly. Um, very often, mm-hmm. so when you when you don't play poorly, a lot of times if you can find a way to kind of scratch out a win, I feel like Nova's really have been really good at this over the past few years. And one of the reasons why they've won the conference is like some of those nights when they don't have it, they've still found a way to win. Yeah, they the still other night against St. John's. Yeah, 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 they kind of grind it out and mm-hmm. just figure it out. And um, to me, that's a mark of a good team. And you know, it's it's just, it's just one game, but it, it was just something I noted after that Xavier game. It's like you don't want to give anything away, and yeah. and I thought Creighton, uh, because it allowed the, the Xavier to just sort of extend the lead and and kind of go crazy, especially early in the second half. I thought they gave it away. Well, the other thing is for Creighton was you can probably leave that Xavier game, and maybe this is lazy, but you can leave that Xavier game and go, okay, well everybody in the league has kind of had a clunker now. You know what I mean? The slate is pretty much. Everybody's on an even playing field because everyone's laid an egg so far in the handful of games that we've had we've seen so far. I mean, Villanova got whacked at Butler, even though it was a close result. It was a, it was not a close game. Yeah. Um, and then for Creighton, the way it's set up was okay. If that's you laying an egg and 
you if you come back with the mentality that that was anything more than just a bad night, and you don't get after it in practice, and you don't prepare for the Seton Hall team, that's loss number two. And then you go to Providence, and then you go to St. John's, who's going to be absolutely desperate. Both for, teams are yeah. probably pretty desperate, yeah. For for a win, so you're looking at a that's how you that's how a streak happens right there. That's yep. how a skid happens. And then all of a sudden. You don't know when you lost control of it, and you're trying now. You're all of a sudden desperate to just get yourself off the canvas. So it was big for Creighton to get back to practice and uh, ratchet it up, and they did. I mean, that's something we can know. I mean, they did. They, I thought they prepared much better for Seton Hall than they did for Xavier. It's not that they were bad for Xavier, but it felt like seeing the difference in the way they practiced for Xavier versus the way they practiced for Seton Hall. There was a clear difference in how they were preparing and how they were approaching the game. Um, they probably thought. Coming off of the way they were playing, with the with the way they were taking care of the ball, and the way everything was firing on all cylinders, defensively they were really locked in um, going into that Xavier game. They probably thought they were in a good groove, um, so they could kind of like ease up a little bit. Yeah. And but it felt like they got their intensity back this week for Seton Hall, and it, it, it showed on the court. Um, strategically, what are some of the things that um, you liked that Creighton executed tonight? I mean, Seton Hall did something that I thought was pretty effective in switching defenses constantly. I think there was even one possession where they were zone, gave up an offensive rebound, and then switched a man. Yeah. Like in that same possession, which is I think, unusual. Like, I think they even switched at, at times more than just once. Yeah. And even before a shot went up. I couldn't fully tell exactly what they were doing in the second half at times, but they were definitely mixing it up. I mean, definitely possession by possession, it seemed like they were mixing it up. And I actually like that strategy against Creighton. Yeah, because um, they were so big on reading you and reacting. Mm-hmm. To the, and like, you don't want Creighton to get comfortable. Right. So whether it's switching up how you're going to defend ball screens or um, you know, altering the way you play, your, you know, what, what alignment you're in, whether you're man or, man or zone, I think, um, I think that might be the most effective way to slow down Creighton in the half court. But if, especially if you don't have like the, I mean Xavier had a ton of length so on the perimeter so I think they were able to bother Creighton a little bit that, in in that just way in the, but just church, church, like they could just stay in what they were in yeah, yeah exactly if you don't have that this might be the next be- best option but anyway yeah. I thought yeah I thought that was a good move. I was surprised we didn't see more um, high ball screens from Xavier, from Seton Hall um, offensively offensively yeah okay. because now Creighton was loading up and trying to take away Angel Delgado, and they did a great job of that. The plan was essentially to front him, make sure he didn't get the ball. I mean, as best you could, keep the ball out of Angel Delgado's hands, Mm -hmm. and they did a great job of that. I can't remember, um, I mean, what, five post-touches for him maybe? Wow, that's, yeah. Is that too high? Yeah, maybe. Um, That's a good point. And if he caught it, they brought the double. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they had their four-man. Usually Martin, well Martin in the first half, Ronnie in the second half, um, he was helping and, and taking away the lob over the, over the top and was there for the uh, double team if, if if Delgado caught the ball. So because Creighton was paying so much attention to Delgado, I thought on on the block, I thought maybe it might have been better if they would have pulled Delgado out of the paint and had mm-hmm. him set more ball screens, high ball screens at the top of the key, which they did mm-hmm. in the second half of the of the Creighton game the Seton Hall Crane game in Jersey. And I thought when Carrington and Desi Rodriguez were going downhill into the teeth of Creighton's defense, it it was tough for the Jays to combat that. Yeah. Um, I mean it felt like everything was playing through Delgado in the first meeting where they would get him post touches and I felt like they got him a lot of post touches. In that first and, meeting? And, yeah. yeah. And he definitely. was able to pass really well out yeah. of it too. 
and they kind of kept everything congested so he would have options and then, in his uh, in his peripherals right. to well, like, the make thing plays. Was, but today, today, like first of all, you like you said, his post touches were limited, but also you like you're like you're talking about right now, he wasn't involved in the actions. Yeah. So like the adjustment to that maybe would be to have some ball screen action on the strong side on ball side. Have him on the weak side, maybe. Maybe even that, you too. know, just yeah. getting in position, just cleaning up, you know, doing whatever. Because they were, it seemed like for like a long stretch in the second half, they were just like, we got to get Powell off the screen and get him a shot. Yeah, like, well, I think that they was were, their offense essentially yeah. at that point. <laughs> they were running plays for Powell, and he was just sprinting around. Yeah, but board. at that point, it was only a ten point game at that point. They, they were still messing around. It was, it was, it wasn't like creating it, put him away. Yeah. I mean, he he got going, and it was a 13, 10 point, 10, 13 point game. Right. And it's like they just kept doing that, and it's like that's not your, that's not who you, you're gonna shoot yourself out of that ball game if you keep doing that. I mean, it was just weird from Seton Hall tonight, just weird. Yeah, there were a lot of things that I, I didn't fully understand, but um, again, I think I honestly, I really do. I think Creighton's energy, its focus, its determination from the start of the game, it just knocked. Seen Hall fight on its feet. Yeah, forget and, like and and, you and they, the they couldn't get up. Yeah, they yeah. couldn't get up, and yeah. so um, a lot of times, a lot of times, uh, I think teams are kind of prepared for that early wave that they're going to get from Creighton. They know that the Jays, they have, they scout their coaches do a good job of scouting mm-hmm. and coming up with plays. Like you think of like the uh, those, uh, I think of like a West Coast offense that. Scripts its first like fifteen plays. Yeah, yeah, they don't they don't do that exactly, right. but they do have a good plan going into games, mm-hmm. and you just sort of teams at, at um, especially coming into this building. I feel like have just kind of grown accustomed to. All right, well, let's survive the first wave, the first four minutes, and then we'll adjust and and settle Wait into the game. Relax yeah, and, right. Know, get, get um, mm-hmm. And so, but Seton Hall was unable to do that, and, and Creighton, uh, to its credit, brought the energy to start both halves. Yeah. And, and put Seton Hall away pretty second, emphatically in the second. The second half was probably pretty important because, I mean, Seton Hall had got it down to five before Ronnie hit the late lip in the second half, in the end of the first half uh, to go up by seven. So, I mean, that, that first that first stretch of the f- um, second half was probably pretty important to kind of just... I think Creighton scored on eight of its first 11 possessions in the mm-hmm. second half. Um, they were just as hot to start the game as they were. They, to start both halves, like to start the game and to start the second half, they got really hot. Yeah. And they, they've just got good shots, too, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. And what was interesting about it is because of the way that Seton Hall was playing them, like um, switching screens and maybe giving Creighton some mismatches in spots, is I think it was one of the reasons why Ronnie was so effective because, mm-hmm. um, well, for one, I, I'd imagine that Seton Hall was giving them a little bit more more space because they're trying to help and and swarm to Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas, but there's just a lot of one on one scenarios because were. you know Creighton couldn't move the ball and and get the defense to collapse and then they could kick out or or uh, uh, <coughs> get a bunch of ball reversals and have the defense scrambling like Seton Hall's guys just kind of you know if it, they it seemed like they were switching every screen I'm not sure if they were but it seemed like that so they they had a lot of one on one work but I think. Creighton's players did a really good job of creating and finding good shots, and yeah, that they <laughs> man, I think of the there's just some big time plays. Like uh, I've like Foster hit a couple threes that weren't like and they were in rhythm shots, but they weren't. Well, he had uh, first half he had that step back three pointer. Um, 
he hit some big threes. Ronnie Harrell made uh, countless drives into the lane for layups um, and obviously had the highlight of the night Jeez. in transition. What a play. I, like, I, I still. I almost like, fell out of my chair when he did that. Like, that right. was. Because he had. I thought for sure he was passing it. And yeah, he had I, two and, guys. And as soon as I saw the ball kind of go behind his back, yep. I was like, oh behind the back past it my eyes even shifted over to the to mitch i think mitch yeah. was the other guy running with him and they even shifted over to mitch thinking like he was gonna get the and then, ball and, and then, then there, there was a layup yeah. and i'm like wait what just he, happened and he switched hands twice within like the last what is that three feet what's what's the circle yeah three or four feet okay or like that. so within the last three or four feet he switched hands to to beat powell yeah, he went to and his so he went from his right, right to, his, to his left, wrapped his it around his, to his back, left, yeah. and then he goes to his left to his right, back to his right to lay it in. Yeah. So he literally switched hands two different he, times he, in a three. Feet the split. ball went. It was the full. It kept going around. The full rotation yeah. around his body, like yes. a full revolution. Yeah, there. Um, yeah. That it, was, was, it was nasty. I mean, the crowd went crazy. That put Creighton up, I think, eighteen, um, and the crowd went nuts. I mean, the student section was chanting his name. Uh, and then the very next play for Seton Hall was the flagrant one on Delgado, which only made the crowd go even more crazy. And I think and then Toby Hegner hit the two flagrant free throws to put him at 20. And game over. Ball game. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, yeah. that was, there was nothing left after that. Um, yeah, we can talk about Ronnie a little bit. I mean, just he has a career at 18 points, uh, five boards, four assists, one turnover, two steals in 28 minutes. Goes eight for eleven from the field. It, it felt like I thought. I thought Seton Hall actually defended him pretty well, uh, considering they tried to make him. They tried to give him enough space to think he could just shoot the ball from the perimeter. And to his credit, I thought he was really smart with not just jacking everything up with the space he had because obviously that's not. He was two for three from three, but I think they were really. He was really careful about when he was to, taking those shots versus yeah, he when he was trying to yeah, yeah yeah when he was trying to drive and. Did, Distribute or go to the rim, um, but a really incredible all-around effort from him. Probably one of his best games as a Blue Jay. Uh, I guess you, and it's it's funny you kind of you're on a pick to click streak here because you wrote about Davion before uh, the Providence game, right? Is that the maybe, one you wrote about? Right? Maybe the Georgetown. Oh, okay. So I Georgetown, don't yeah, okay. And then um, you wrote about Ronnie before this one. Wrote about Ronnie before this game. Yeah. So what? What do you? What's funny about it? What are you seeing out of Ronnie and the conversation you're having with him that kind of like makes you see something like this and go, I'm, I, you know, like I think he's capable of that. Well, I'm not that surprised. Yeah. And the interesting thing about what the main point that I, actually Ronnie and I talked about this after the Xavier game is like, what do you envision your role on this team? And he he basically kind of boiled it down to, I've worked on all parts of my game like I've spent time shooting I've spent time uh, working on my dribble I've spent time reviewing film to see the floor better as a um, kind of like in that point guard role I've bulked up to be able to battle down low defending um, or gaining position for rebounds like Mm -hmm. there's so many ways that I can impact the game but I don't know how where what what the team needs going into it and so yeah, you mentioned that tonight. Like his what he, how he views it is like those first few minutes of the game, or even when he's when he subs back out after going in, uh, he's just trying to observe and seek out the 
the flaw or the weakness or, or the what deficiency. They, yeah, what they needed. What moment. did they need? Mm-hmm. Did they need somebody to just bring energy? Because I can do that. Then they need somebody to kind of get the offense moving, get the ball moving, get some movement, like cutting to the rim. Um, That's got to be a that. crazy dynamic, too, because... And it puts it, To me, it seems like it puts a lot of... He's putting a lot of pressure on himself to kind yeah. of be that... Because energy is Swiss, just flying around and kind Swiss of being... Swiss like, Army Knife type guy. Throwing caution to the wind yeah. versus being the guy that needs to make sure they get a good possession and a good shot, making the right decision, right. making the right read, the jump stops, the drill penetration. Like, that's... A wide ranging of like a wide range of different ways to play yeah. the game when you're trying to read and react to what Off- they need. Offensively at Xavier, I thought he had a really good first half. Okay. Um, I thought if Creighton were able to hang, he would be kind of like the guy. His 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 stint would be he would make something that to put we would. Well, it would be something that um, us looking back on the game, we'd be like, wow, Creighton would not be in this game without Ronnie Harrell's five minutes in the first half or whatever. But he did a couple things like. He was the – Martin – they couldn't get the ball to Martin Crompo rolling to the rim. He finally got the ball to Martin rolling to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, he found Mitch Ballack for a three. Uh, the Jays were – I think they started the game two of ten um, inside the arc on field goals at Xavier. And Ronnie's like – Ronnie had three buckets in the paint and got to the foul line twice. You know, so like that's an example of what he's t- kind of talking about of like mm-hmm. I'm trying to observe what they're what we're lacking and I'm going to – Try to fill that void as best I can, and and tonight, I mean, they needed a scorer. They needed somebody else yeah. to step up and and produce uh, by putting the ball in the basket, and that's what he was able to do. So, um, yeah, that he his growth is incredible, and I I appreciate um, just from like my perspective his willingness to kind of be that team first guy. Mm-hmm to do whatever the coaches ask of him. and Because you've mentioned this before. He's a guy that was like, you peg him as some guy who is looking for um, more playing time, he could be a guy that would transfer, you know what I mean? Yeah. If last year didn't – if he went into the summer, this upcoming summer, and didn't get maybe uh, some kind of indication from the coaches that if you just stick with it, you're going to have an opportunity to, you know, earn a big role on this team as it's constructed. That's a guy that we see across the country that's – out the door looking for something else, right? right? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't think I've ever asked Ronnie about how seriously he considered transferring because I think a lot of people in his shoes, especially after the season ended, like you end the season playing well or, yeah. or at least getting playing time and, and having some games, moments of sure. success in those. Like a lot of people would be like, okay, well, forget this. I mean, look what happened when you finally played me. I'm I'm, I'm all right. I'm legit. Mm-hmm. And you should have been playing me earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have that perspective. I, man, just being around Creighton's coaching staff, like, I don't think they're the kind of they're not they're it's not really in their uh it's not really sort of their approach to promise anybody anything. Yeah. I mean I'm sure they laid out the opportunity and said, Look, we need somebody um like we need we're gonna need we have we lack frontline depth. There's a role for you to play here mm-hmm. as a stretch four in this offense. Um and you know, there help is, us there, defensively, but I don't. There is a lot of onus on the players to make sure they're doing the right things in development and practice. Yeah, like, like think, it's up to them to show the coaches, like right. type of deal, and they and it feels like they all kind of understand that. Um, but man, Ronnie's like he's the last guy off the floor at practice most yep. days, uh, firing up three point shots. I feel like he really made a commitment to embracing. I mean, he he works with like the the front court guys on post moves. And yeah, so, the thing you mentioned in your story, like yeah. 
He showcased. You'll see him going back and forth, right. getting the repetitions from both position groups. He showcased some of that improvement too this year. I, I don't know. He's he's taking a big step, and and obviously he's he's key to what Creighton does now. I wonder. You know, we haven't even talked about Martin Crumple and, and yeah. his injury. Mostly, I just, because, I just don't want to speculate too much because right. we don't know more tomorrow. That's what I was saying. Mostly days, because so. we didn't know. Um, I didn't even know he got hurt. I thought serious. he got. I thought he. I mean, I saw him commit the foul, and then I thought that's why he's going to the bench, and I saw him just. Walk Keep on, on going to the tunnel. Yeah, like, okay, well, something, something's wrong. But, yeah, I, you saw the landing. Do you see the landing? It there? looked like he landed awkwardly, awkwardly but, yeah, I haven't – I, I want to see re- – I still haven't seen a replay. I just yeah. saw it live. But, yeah. anyway, depending on how long Martin's out, I mean, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see sort of how – what kind of impact that has on Ronnie's role. And, and if he's able, I mean, Max said after the game, he's like, well, he might have to start. Which, and if he starts, then maybe that – tweaks a little bit of the way that he wants a contributor or has been contributing for this team. And I'm not trying to like... His approach, anyway. And I'm not trying... Like I said, I don't really want to speculate on Martin until we know. Um, but it is going to be interesting if if he is going to be out for a prolonged period of time. Like this whole line. Of, I'm going to hate this conversation. But like, you know, Jacob Everson is like close to coming back. The, I mean, I think Max expect him back to practice by... February 1st, around that time, and he, he is off the crutches. He has been shooting around and doing uh, non-contact stuff little by little. You know, you just wonder as the progression of this thing goes, if the the front line holding up was always the caveat to Epperson's redshirt or not. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm totally going to eliminate that from a, being a possibility if... I mean, you just know it's patchwork right now. Like, Ronnie's not necessarily a big, even though he can battle down there. Yeah. Toby isn't a five, even though he plays a five. Um, but, I mean, he's hobbled. Like, he's fighting through it. Right. You know, he's toughing it out his senior year. And so that's if and, then, and you have Manny Suarez. Right. So, like, then you know. Manny, yeah. Don't be, don't be surprised if things like, I mean, we're seven games in the Big East, so you have 11 conference games left and the Big East tournament, like, the grind is going to continue. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, it, it just depending on what they get out of news from our team tomorrow. I mean, he wasn't on crutches or anything like that. So like you kind of just looking at it from the outside, right. you assume if it was debilitating, he'd have some kind of de- tough to assume. Man. It is. Well, look, 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 I just did, man. I didn't want to speculate, and then I just started speculating like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Why did I do that? <laughs> Sorry. Why didn't you stop? Me? I should. I should have just like. You should like you're speculating right now. Yeah, yeah smash you upside the head. And I know down that train. That was dumb. Uh, but no. I mean, like it's that's that's kind of what they're. they're but it, there but is some question marks. Too, yeah, there's so. certainly question marks, and I'm sure fans are wondering. And mm-hmm. and obviously, once once the tests are in and Creighton has a better read on it, I mean, it might yeah render our conversation moot, but it might. Uh, it might also, (laughs) we might have to discuss some of this stuff further. So, and Mm -hmm. Creighton's staff certainly will Mm -hmm. tonight and and into tomorrow morning, even before they get the results. But, um, yeah, it, 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 it would be, it's going to change the dynamic. And I, that's another thing too about, you know, I think you might ask the question, do you ask it? To Marcus after the game about the the team's sort of resolve that they showed mm. at, in the second half. I mean, because mm. it was kind of a bummer going into halftime. They yeah. they had led by as many as sixteen points and were seemingly in complete control for portions of the first half. And they let Seton Hall back in it mostly because of foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Martin got hurt as well. I mean, there were a lot of reasons to kind of be down on for the Jays to be down on themselves going into halftime and then kind of have that here we go again mentality i mean i even thought it i mean they were 
they had a big lead against Seton Hall on the road, and here the here they were, sort of letting it slip away again, you know yeah. that kind of thing. But they they've stayed positive, and, and I think I think that's a good sign for this team going forward that they've they've shown. I think they've shown good resiliency all year. But I, I do too. I mean, they, they don't they don't have the two game losing streak yet. I mean, those yeah. are all signs. Those are all the signs of a team that knows what needs to do. Like as many question marks as we had about this group. I don't think anybody at fifteen. I don't think anybody sees this team at fifteen and four right now, and five and two in league play. Goes, man, they're just, they're just not as they're just not where I thought they would be at this point. You know what yeah, I mean? Like right. I don't think that's happening. Yeah. There are games that like the Baylor game and the Seton Hall game. Certainly, you want back um, if you're Creighton, but like as a whole, like this uh, the development of the freshmen and all the sorts of things that have come up as surprises that were answers to the questions that we maybe thought could be answers but weren't sure. Right. Like, I don't think – I mean, I think this group is pretty good. And I think they're going to continue along this path as long as they – you know, I mean, the the crample thing is in, is about luck. So as long as the injury bug doesn't bite them again like he did last year, like I feel like the trajectory is pretty good. And I wouldn't be surprised if – you know, like I don't know if there's – I mean, Villanova is the team to beat, but I mean I don't feel like there's a lot of separation right now just based on how the game's been played out in the league play so far. You see so many close games. Yeah. You've seen everybody take a, a butt whooping so far. Like I feel like it's going to be down to the wire right. inside this thing. And if you told me, you know, Creighton, Xavier, Villanova, someone else, or like within a game or two, going into the final two, three games, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Like, no doubt. Just that's the way it looks like it's trending. So Creighton, far. Creighton has proven that, and I think going into the year, we thought, or I thought anyway, that Creighton wasn't quite into that top tier of the league that it uh, that it would sit kind of in the middle of the that pack. Five, that, six range, yeah, right. that, but that's on the right side of the middle of the pack, but still in the middle of the pack. On but, the non on the non Thursday night side, you mean? Yeah. yeah, but they've proven they've proven me wrong in that I think they've proven themselves as a team that's um, an upper half of the Big East sort of a, a capable contender for a league title. Sure, things kind of have to break their way a little bit. I think. Um, they may have to get lucky and steal a couple wins to remain in contention, but they're in contention, and um, the way they played tonight against Seton Hall is proof of that. So, um, yeah, you're right. I f- you mentioned the trajectory sort of looking up. When you have a team that's built around a lot of new players um, or guys who hadn't, uh, sort of stepped into this type of role before on a D1 level. Mm-hmm. And and I think you have the coaching staff that Creighton has and the leadership that Creighton has around them. Like, it's an environment for those guys to keep getting better. And for Ronnie Harrell made the comment um, after the game, like, how much encouragement he gets even when he misses shots from coaches and players about, you know, hey, get the next one. It, like, it's, Marcus said he's one of the best scorers on the team tonight. Right. Yeah. So there's, I mean, it's there's such a confidence in each other. Yeah, it's such a um, uplifting environment and atmosphere. I got that sense even before the season started, um, just about the way that guys were encouraging. And I mean, you see it, it, it plays out in the assist numbers, obviously, but um, there's just kind of this collective mindset that has um, emerged within this team, and I think it's allowed. It's allowed guys to excel and allowed guys to kind of work through some growing pains and kind of get over the hump and, and keep sort of progressing along that that 
ladder of development, mid-year, the mid-year yeah. ladder of development, which I think is important to see guys improve as the year goes on, uh, as they gain experience. Um, they take some lumps, but they keep getting they keep getting up and keep getting better, learning from it. I think that's been key, and I think I think there's a lot of guys on this roster that can continue uh, to improve in that way. And you know what I think is a really good example of what you just mentioned there about the overall attitude of the group as a whole and how they treat each other. And I'm not trying to say Tyler Clement is at the bottom because I certainly have more respect for him as a player and a leader than that. But to say, like, as far as the role he plays in games, um, compared to Marcus Foster, who is the star. Yeah. Okay. So they're both captains. But when you see Marcus, you think that's the star of the team. When you see Tyler, you think role player. So the dynamic between Marcus and Tyler, though, day-to-day, watching them practice, I mean, the, the, the trash talk, the banter, they guard each other in practice. Um, they're, you know, Tyler's the scout team stud. He's always giving Creighton the perfect look about what they're about to face here coming up. Um, and then the dynamic between the two, the relationship between the two, like Marcus, you know, a couple weeks ago, giving Tyler credit for a game-clinching play right. that Marcus made. But he said that's a play I learned from Tyler. Like, that's kind of the whole cohesion of what you're talking about there as far as how they all, you know, how they all get along and how they all build for that same goal. Um, That's the thing you look for in a team that's – when you write the story at the end of the year and if it ends up being a deep run of the NCAA tournament, you look back on things like that as examples of what led to the run. You know what I'm saying? Not that, you know – not that it's going to happen, but, like, if it does, those are the things you look at as far as why that team was, you know, accomplished the goals that they wanted to accomplish. Right. Yeah, the pieces are in place. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, one thing I wanted to highlight, too, I know we're running a little bit long, but uh, I thought the t- the point guard performance tonight from Davion Mintz and Tyshawn Alexander collectively, uh, you know, 10 rebounds between the two of them, nine assists, one turnover in 40 minutes. Mm. But uh, I thought Tyshawn's defense on Miles Powell in the second half was really key. Uh, and He only had to do it for about three or four possessions. Just to get him out of rhythm. Yeah. Because he was and, getting hot. And because that was about when Creighton made its run yes. to seal it. Yep. But, yeah, you're right. And Davion I, offensively I thought was really good. What, so thought, like, seven assists for Davion? Is that what it was? Seven assists, no turnovers, yep. Yeah. He didn't He's, score, but he had seven assists. No, I think they only had one point between the two of them, a free throw. <laughs> that's um, what it was? Yeah. One point between the two of them, they were 0 for but, 5 from the field. But Again, that's okay. I mean, that's, Ten points, ten, nine, ten, ten boards, nine assists, one turnover from yeah. the point guards? You'll take that. Definitely. With, I, the, with the guys, that with, with Kyrie, Marcus, and the way Ronnie was scoring the night and Toby hit, Toby was 4 of 7 from the field. With the scoring they have on the team, they don't necessarily need the point guard to average 15. Right. You know what I mean? And Mintz had one go in and out that looked like it was all the way down. Mm-hmm. I think Tyshawn had a couple open shots that he could hit. Um, yeah, he had that open three in transition that uh, after, after, the, after the Kyrie steal that I felt it was a big play in what maybe if Seton Hall got back into it, that's when you look at it and say they that was a chance that Creighton yeah. could have used to bury it right there. Right. Um, but yeah. yeah, man, I thought – I don't know. One of my favorite things to watch defensively is watching guys try to hang with um, shooters who are getting – Going multiple, well, that or but, multiple screens. They're, they're setting multiple oh, screens gotcha. for them yeah. because they know they're going. Multiple actions. So, yes. like, your whole job as a defender is literally to eat this guy's space up, right? Because you know he's feeling it. 
all he wants to do is get enough room to let it go. Let it go. And your job is to find a way to get into his Run grill. A couple brick but you have to, to, to but him. you have yeah. to like yeah. navigate the screens. And I didn't, didn't Max say something after the game where it was like Tyshawn did a good job of knowing when he could go over the top of screens mm-hmm. or when he had to chase. Uh, by by st- sticking on Miles Powell's hip and chasing him. It's to, funny you said. It. It's funny the way Max said that and the way Tyshawn said it when I asked him. Like, <laughs> what did Tyshawn so, say? So Max said it is like Tyshawn did a good job short shredding screens uh, to get to him, as in like that's what you should be doing to get to him. Yeah. The way Tyshawn said it was, I'm not supposed to be short cutting the screens. You're supposed to be doing it. You're supposed to be, fun- to be you're supposed chasing. To be, you're supposed to be chasing. You're literally on his yeah, hip the whole way, exactly. no matter Stay how on many his hip screens. So you can't get yeah. space. And he's like, but sometimes I would make a read and realize I could shortcut it and get to his spot first. Yeah. So, like, so Max said it that way, and God bless Max for saying it that way. <laughs> but I, but one of them is not telling the truth because <laughs> right. Tyshawn said, no, I wasn't supposed to shortcut it, but I knew I could beat him to his spot, right. and that's how I made it hard for him. So, yeah, but he, no matter who's right or wrong in that situation, uh, Tyshawn was really effective in kind of knocking him out of his rhythm long enough for Creighton to land the not, final knockout punch and put the game away. Because um, he started to get going, I thought it was a problem. Um, you want to talk about Toby's defense on Delgado at all, or yeah, we kind of referenced it a little bit, but yeah. one of four the, points, four boards, five turnovers in twenty minutes. For yeah, Red it's Red one Red of Red his Red worst Red. games of the year, maybe of his career. I mean, I think he had like a five and two game against NJIT earlier in this year. Lot, okay. Yeah, right. but I mean, I mean, it, he played like sixteen minutes in that game, and mm-hmm. it was certainly not as important as this one. Um, so, given the circumstance. Maybe, I mean, certainly his worst performance against Creighton in the last couple of years, yeah. but um, and a lot of it was Toby Hegner just being able to fight him and push him out of the, push him off the position that he wanted to, to be in and uh, keep the pass from being entered. There were uh, how many times I can, a number of times in the second half when Delgado was like calling for the ball, but they couldn't get it to him, and then when they'd reverse it to the other side of the court, you just see it in his face, just frustration, mm-hmm. pure frustration, like what. Do I have to do to get have you guys give me the ball? Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, so Toby did a really good job of executing that plan. I I thought Seton Hall um, in that first meeting did a good job of getting that where Delgado caught the ball in that first game. It wasn't like truly on the block. He was kind of like a little bit off it. Whether he's on standing on the baseline or uh, maybe kind of like mid range. 10 feet out ish, mm-hmm. um, a little bit off the block, but which, in a playmaking position, like, yeah, but I think, uh, yeah, right, word, because though, I yeah. think it gave him more, gave him more room to survey and mm-hmm. it forced Creighton, um, there was more time in between the catch and when the double arrived because that second defender was preoccupied with a guy down on the hoop, and so it took him longer to get to Delgado because he caught the ball a little bit off the block. And then rotations were all strung out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he could kind of dish and pick Creighton apart. I think he had five assists in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but by simply taking – by Creighton taking its defender and moving it to the opposite side of Delgado, um, and they could – they obviously used their team defensive strategies to plug up the lane so they couldn't throw over the top. They took that away. Um, that 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 playmaking option that, that Delgado has, he does see the floor pretty well. I think he averages like four assists a game. Yeah. Um, they took that away. I mean, he just didn't touch the ball, and uh, and that was obviously critical, especially on a night when Desi Rodriguez wasn't on the court and Carrington seemed to be out of sorts. I mean, if you're talking about three of 
I mean, your top three scorers literally yeah. not being able to get tone setters. Yeah. Like, whatever, <laughs> they, whatever no their roles are, yeah. Like, uh, that, that's a good recipe for uh, what did they end up shooting? 38.1%? Yeah. Yeah. Between the, let's see, what, like, well, Rodriguez and Delgado were both two for four, so what's that? Four for eight and four for, four for 14 from those three. And then Powell was six for 14. So 10 for 28 from your top four scorers. Yeah. I mean, that's, that'll win you every time. Right, and the thing about that too is, it's like, how Seven, many? That's that means a ton of other shots for everyone else, yeah. which you're like, okay, please, that's by all means, yeah. right? They like Kale. Kale shot it eight times. Sonogo shot it six times, including a couple jumpers. Where you're like, yeah, Creighton's gonna let you do that. Oh yeah, if you want ten of those, by all means, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, you're, that's a good point. I mean, even that Walker kid was one for six. I don't. What did he shoot when they first played? I don't think that's something. Six shots is not what they want him taking. Yeah, he took two last time. Right. Yeah, so played four minutes. So yeah, like that. The Creighton was not worried about the others tonight. Right. But the others were certainly not shy about shooting. So someone had to. Um, Providence is next on the road. Heading out there. I will be out there. Uh, that's a team that's kind of getting right right now. Seems like it. Like they're getting healthy. Uh, healthy er. Healthy Yeah, because they're not going to have Emmett Holt all year, and that was that's yeah. a big piece. And I I think they're still kind of working through it. But man, Nate Watson had a great game against Creighton. Their oh, God, first he's meeting. Gonna be, he's going to be so good. Uh, Martin Crumple was key for the Jays. So if he's yep. not in the lineup or not a hundred percent, you know, like that's going to make an impact mm-hmm. or have an impact. And obviously, Providence is going to be. I think they they've won three in a row, and they're obviously going to be really motivated to ensure that Creighton doesn't. They, they get that split, right? They get yep. that split, and Creighton won there last year. So, yep, another piece of motivation that Ed Cooley can use for his guys. Um, they didn't defend Creighton well in transition in that first meeting. Well, I gotta imagine they're going to be better. I don't, know, there. I don't know if they defended Creighton anywhere last, <laughs> well, last time. Like that was for for Providence standards. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Um, I I I got and they've had a, they'll have a couple extra days to prepare for this. So I'm sure they'll take, or they have probably already taken a day off or two. But um, yeah, Creighton, I think it's it, it's probably good to for for the Jays to have a game like this to where they know, especially on the heels of Saturday's uh, debacle, to play well against a good team. And to bring to to bring sort of a different edge and energy and focus what they didn't have against Saturday. Yeah. Hey, here's the result. It's really tangible. Uh, there's a tangible piece of evidence now that Creighton can reference. The players can say, "Hey, we know what happens when we don't bring it, or we don't prepare the right way. We don't have the attention to detail that we need to. We get waxed. If we do, hey, look at the result. We, we enjoy ourselves. So exactly. they they. I'm guessing that that won't wear off." In just two days. Now it may wear off after a couple of weeks if things keep going Creighton's way. I, the, there may be a, a need for another reality check down the road. I think that's the nature of a long season. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that Creighton's going to be locked in and and <coughs> and, and committed to uh, to playing with a ton of energy and and, and effort. And uh, on Saturday, and if Martin isn't playing, and I promise I'm not going to get out of control on this one, I have a, I have, a, I have, a, I have an endpoint ready. So I mean, I think without Martin, obviously that's a big rebounding presence, interior presence, pick and roll presence, all that. But just on the rebounding part of it, which will probably be something that's just how something that will probably decide the game against Providence. I think is will be how many of those second chance points they can give up or not. Um, tonight they gave up. 
12 second chance points on 10 offensive rebounds to Seton Hall, which is like, you probably don't think that's great, but only three offensive rebounds in the second half for Seton Hall, so they did clean that up without Martine on the floor. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they did right. clean that up as the game went on, and the gang rebounding mentality, I feel like, will be important. So you look at Creighton's rebounding, two from Foster, six from Mintz, four from Kyrie, four from Toby, five from Ronnie, four from Tyshawn, two from Mitch, two from Manny. So, and then Manny will probably play more if Martinez isn't available. So, right. like, the gang rebounding mentality that you saw tonight will probably have to, uh, once again, show itself out in Rhode Island if they Jays want to get a win at Providence because um, usually the game, usually the games are decided on the glass between those two teams, and usually Providence is the one dominating that area. Uh, it wasn't the case in the first meeting. The game got out of hand um, in favor of Creighton, but it always feels like it comes down to, like, who can impose their like like how well Creighton can handle Providence trying to impose their will with all the stuff they like to do in the paint and how well Creighton can you know do what they like to do it always feels like it's a battle of clashing styles definitely you know yeah what I mean so but Creighton's gonna have to figure out a way to hang on the glass especially if Martinez isn't available and I feel like a performance like tonight where everybody kind of has a contribution on the glass is um, what they'll have to see out there so. I think that's about all we can do to dissect that one until we know more about uh, Martin's status, which we should tomorrow. Um, for now, sleep tight, everyone. Enjoy the Blue Jay win for as long as it, you can enjoy it. Um, team is 15-4 and four overall, 5-2 and two in league play. I think a game or half a game behind uh, Villanova and Xavier, right? Villanova's got one loss. Xavier only have one loss in league play? No, they have two. Xavier has two. So, yeah, they're, so they're half, half a game, game behind, behind Villanova. Villanova but they're tied with Xavier. Right, okay. So at the top of the standings through seven games and Providence St. John's coming up, we'll have more for you. I think we'll be back. When we get one, what's the next one? Georgetown Pink Out. Pink Out. Yeah, we'll be back on the Blue Jay Beat Georgetown Pink Out game. Um, until then, check out John Niatawa's work at Omaha.com. Buy a newspaper. He does great stuff. He'll be following the Jays out to Providence and St. John's, right? Correct. And, uh, and then check out our stuff at whiteandbluereview.com as well. We got stuff on uh, Sam Froling, the new Creighton's latest recruit, commit to the 2018 class, uh, which kind of rounds that out right now, uh, that 2018 class. Uh, his commit the other night. We got plenty of coverage on that. John just wrote a story on it today, right? You got too much from the day? Yeah, I traded some text with him. He's okay. he's an interesting character. I, I, oh, I yes. enjoy interacting with him. I had a phone call with him, so you, I you yeah, it him. was much it was very interesting. It, even yeah. better. Yeah. So yeah, check out all that, get up to date on what's going on on the hilltop and uh we'll talk to you after Georgetown.